Hello and welcome to the Beans Media Diary. I'm so pleased you decided to listen in as we've got all of these things coming right up. Plans like that can easily just go out the window if there's a sudden change in circumstance. Yeah. I'm trying to get into the flow a bit more. So I think I'm going to go a bit beyond the business and it will be more about you know being a role model for my girls. They're going to be at that time, like we've just been talking about, about kind of their identity and that, you know, the whole secondary school world. And so I think I want to be a, a good role model for them. My name is Valve Baines and I am your host. In every instalment, I'll be joined by a different person from the world of media, food, sports, music, property and everything in between. So I promise you there'll be something for everyone. In this episode, I'm joined by Rosie Mead from Musica Music and Wellbeing. Hello Rosie, how are we doing? Hey Bob, yeah I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, so uh, we were just speaking just before we started recording and the weather here is, it, I know it's okay for you down there, but it's up here, it's awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, luckily we're all right. Although actually the girls are a bit disappointed because they love jumping in puddles. So I think they'd, they'd quite like it if it was pouring today. <laughs> <laughs> so just before we get uh, we get started, quick disclaimer, I've known you, well, we've known each other for how many years? Uh, what, so we left uni 10 years ago, so 13 years we've That's, known each other. Which is incredible, which is, uh, which is crazy. So I just wanted to, so I've done a bit of research on you mm-hmm. and I just wanted to say some facts and you can tell me if this is true or not. Okay, just before we get cracking. So you've got two of your own kids. Is that correct? That is correct. (laughs) You are married to your childhood sweetheart. Yeah, I am. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, You're just finishing your PhD. Yes, finally. Finally. And you are, well, you was a surrogate mother. Was it two years ago? No, so she's not even a year. She'll be a year next month. Year next month. Uh, You've got two dogs. Yep. <laughs> uh, you're learning to play the drums, is that true? I am, yeah, that is true. <laughs> and you are the CEO of a music and wellbeing social enterprise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I feel the same listening to it. I think when you're in it, you don't, yeah, you don't notice so much how many plates you've got spinning. <laughs> that's incredible. So you, you like, it's obviously the world knows, like, inspiring people so you've got people like Nelson Mandela, Barack Obama, Jessica Ennis and people like that but I think you're the first person that I know who's genuinely genuinely inspiring doing all the things that you're doing. Oh thank you very much. Which is incredible <laughs> so I think I just let's I wanted to get straight into this so what is a music and social enterprise? Yeah so basically we're a we're called a community interest company which means you're a not-for-profit organization so a lot of people think like we set out to not make a profit but that's not the whole point the whole point is that you do want to make a profit like any other business but that your profits get reinvested into your community so the way that we do that is by offering free or discounted sessions for people living with dementia and basically what the the social enterprise is is that we support people living with dementia and their carers through music so that's through different ways so either delivering workshops or performances or training and supporting carers to use music as part of their daily dementia care okay uh, so what sort of so what do you go out into the community and and just provide like music services uh, to people yeah, with dementia mainly, yeah mainly care homes and work in a few hospitals as well 
um, yeah, our, our kind of our sole business is providing music workshops within care settings. Okay. Um, yeah, we also support people in the community. I think that's something we want to expand on once we're out of this some crazy situation at the moment. Yeah. So how how has uh, how has lockdown affected you? Because if you're going to care homes, that must have that must limit what you can do quite considerably. Yeah, it's. I mean, a hundred percent of our clients are kind of care homes, hospitals. <laughs> any setting that is yeah closed down and won't be opening for a long time and when they do you know things will be quite different to how they were so yeah it's impacted us massively as a business um but i think you know i'm quite a positive optimistic person and so i i'm trying to look for opportunities within this so you know how can we deliver sessions virtually it's not the same at all as being face to face with that person but right now if we're restricted then actually we need to start looking um at different ways that we can support people so some of our musicians are performing outside the care homes so we're literally bringing the PA system and the residents are sat in the conservatory and the musicians are playing to them um and it's yeah it's not it's not the same as having that interaction but it's a lot better than you know having a cd on or or that side of things so i feel we might be working that way for quite a long time to come yeah so what sort of what sort of musicians have you got have you got um uh yes name name them sorry (laughs) yeah so complete variety so our head office is based in dorset literally about 10 minutes down the road from where i live which is great um and we but we operate from cornwall to west sussex at the moment so we've got some musicians are are franchisees so they run their own sort of version of music as a company others are freelance musicians where we do the bookings for them i think we've got around 25 musicians that work with us at the moment wow variety so a lot of them are professional musicians that gig in the evenings and weekends and so they've been looking for work during the day and obviously want to use music to help the community as well i think that's been quite a big thing is having musicians that you know love performing but actually they want to take their performances to different settings and kind of inspire other people okay. um we have a few people that are like retired teachers um that then again have kind of yeah become a bit disillusioned with maybe the current situation <laughs> especially music teaching um and they really want to be using their music for good so yeah they then come and join us too and it's a certain type of personality i think we're always saying that it's not just about the music you know you could be a brilliant musician but if you can't engage with someone or you can't you know have that conversation and connect with them then you might as well have a cd on so we kind of yeah take people based on their their kind of personality and the type of person that they are the way they interact yeah massively i think you i think people work for people people don't work for companies so yeah. you could be working for a huge huge corporation for google for example but if your boss or your line manager is horrible you you want to leave but on the flip side if you're working for a, like a very very small business but your boss is amazing and nurturing and helps develop you then you, you will want to stay and you will want to go that extra mile yeah i think that's what we've found especially in the current situation is you know we're you know very small company um and obviously covid's affected us like i was saying but everyone's pulling together no matter whether you're a musician or in the admin team we're all pulling together to think of new ways that we can keep delivering our mission and keep supporting the people we work with and i think yeah that's kind of testament to the type of culture that the company has massively yeah so how do how do the musicians find you or do you find them is there like a process or what's how does, how does it work <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error to be honest okay. going for 10 years so i've been kind of trying different things but i've been realizing that a lot of the time people don't know that they're even looking for this kind of opportunity 
So I found that Facebook's just a great way for promoting what we do, putting out videos, showing people, you know, actually in reality, how music can help people with dementia. And then, yeah, just having those discussions going um, and then and then kind of, yeah, um, chatting to people about the fact we're looking for musicians in different areas and you know we're very open we talk about what we do in a session and and that side and so I think we often inspire people to then think actually yeah this is something I could do too even if that, that had never entered their mind before <laughs> yeah definitely so why why music then so why music in specific for you is there is there like have you got a background in it or what's what's the reason for music I do yeah so I started playing the clarinet when I was 12 and just, I loved being in that kind of world, being in like the school orchestra, that social life. Like we traveled the world with the school orchestra. Wow. We went to like this and Disneyland Paris and stuff. It was, yeah, pretty cool. And I think even from that young age, I realized how it, it wasn't about the music actually. It was about that coming together. And I think I was probably about 14 when I had like my first kind of like an epiphany. <laughs> Sounds like big, thing. But like I went on a, like an orchestra residential weekend right. and it was probably a Saturday night. It was dark outside. It was in winter and we were all playing together. And I think I just had that like, this is incredible. Like we're all, all playing together, all listening to each other. And that, yeah, it wasn't about the music at all. It was that coming together. So I think from that point, I kind of fell in love with music. And then I went on, so when I was at Bath Spa with you, I was yeah. studying music in English. Of course, yeah. And kind of my last year doing the dissertation was when I set up Musica. So I um, wrote a dissertation on music and um, kind of everyday life of older adults. And then obviously within that, dementia was coming up as quite a big theme. And at the same time, I started volunteering at the hospital in Bath. So I was playing my clarinet to patients, um, older patients, singing with them. And yeah, just suddenly realised the enormous benefits of music in dementia care. And I'm, I'm really lucky even now, touch wood, that no one in our family has dementia. I, I'd never experienced it before. Yeah. Um, kind of working in that setting was, yeah, it was incredible to see the transformation that music could afford. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, where kind of my passion with music then, then took me. Yeah, no, because I definitely like relate to that because when I when I started like radio presenting and do presenting in general, it was just like, oh my, wow, this is like people get paid to do this because like to me it was just fun and like don't tell anyone Rosie but I'd do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> so we can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but I was just sitting there going, this is incredible, and I just love like just throwing myself into it and just becoming like in my own world and in my own bubble. And it's just, yeah, I think so. I definitely relate to how you look at music. Mm. So, yeah. So and I think it's, you know, it's not just about playing music it, as in playing an instrument. It is that, you know, we can all, a lot of people say, well, I'm not musical. I can't sing. But, you know, most of us, some people don't like music at all, which I'm really fascinated with. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, most of us do love listening to music and you just get lost. It's that kind of escaping yeah, definitely. So what sort of music do you listen to? So in your in the car or in your free time, what sort of what sort of music do you listen to? Uh, my taste is so eclectic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of the time I listen to like 90s music. I love that, like just taking me back to kind of, yeah, that time, like real cheesy stuff like S Club 7. Oh, my um, God. Hearsay. Played all the time in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Finger Boys, like that yeah. kind of music gets me going. But I also love like punk rock. So I love like Green Day is one of my favourite bands. Okay. Red Hot, that kind of thing. I love like trance music. Um, so I've been listening to like Dave Pierce has done quite a few Facebook yeah. live. I love it. So it's on like yeah. Saturdays. It's Saturday and Sunday nights. Is, is it like seven? So right. I'm there, I just put the kids to bed and I'm like raving. 
So do, do you like, what, what did your kids listen to then? Do they listen to the same sort of stuff or have they got their own style? <laughs> well, they're kind of forced to listen to what I want. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really influenced them. So they, yeah, they love like, again, like Barbie Girl is played because my three-year-old loves it. Um, the cartoons, do you remember Witch Doctor? No, oh, yeah. I don't know. What's... <laughs> the, oh, no, I do. Uh, a girl, a witch doctor. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's played like two or three times a day in our house. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Ezra, that, actually, they ask a lot for um, staying at Tamara's. They love that whole album. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So moving on to like the surrogacy, mm. what, was, what was your, why did you do it? So what was the thinking behind it? Yeah, so it's something I'd always wanted to do. So even before I met John, before we'd had our own kids, I think, like, I always think it sounds really, like, cliche, but it came from Friends. So I love watching Friends. Ah, Phoebe. Yeah, knowing that Phoebe could do that, like, I think it made me realise that surrogacy was a thing because I probably would never have known about it otherwise. So it was always in the back of my mind and it was always a thing of, you know, if, if we were able to have our own children, then it would be something that I'd love to help someone else out with. That's incredible. So we had our two girls decided that we thought that we wanted three children until we had our second child. <laughs> and then decided that's it no more. Yeah. <laughs> so then I, yeah, she was, I'm trying to think how old she was now. She wasn't even a year. She was probably about six or seven months. Okay. And I started to think that, yeah, actually, I'd really like to help someone out. Now's the time. So, so yeah. So what's the process behind it? Do you, is there like a, an organization or, cause I know I'm a compl- I didn't, I know nothing about it. So yeah, what's, what's the process? Things. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a gray area at the moment. So I went through an organization called surrogacy UK, but you don't have to go through an organization. Um, basically it's illegal for a surrogate to advertise their service. Service is the wrong term, but to advertise that they're there. And likewise, it's illegal to advertise that you're looking for a surrogate. That makes it really difficult. So Surrogacy UK is all about having conversations and they're all about friendship before surrogacy. So I joined their Facebook group to just find out a little bit more information before I made the decision that this was for me. Um, so I yeah just got chatting on there asking people about what it was like to be a surrogate but also what it was like to be an intended parent so that's the correct term for the parents okay um, I still find it, it sounds like a really old-fashioned term because you know most of the time they, they are the parents um, but yeah intended parents is the, is the term at the moment and so I just yeah got chatting on there um, and found um, my intended parents on one of the Facebook groups um, basically this was before I'd even decided I wanted to go ahead with it before I'd even spoken to John about it <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a shock <laughs> yeah. oh by the way John <laughs> started having a conversation with uh, with this lady called Catherine who lived just down the road from me um, she was born without a womb so she'd always known kind of when she was 16 she'd known she could never carry her own children okay. um, but her mum had been her surrogate for her first baby So I literally just met up with her to find out what it was like from her point of view, having one, having a mum as a surrogate, but also the whole surrogacy process. So I met up with her to kind of just get that ball rolling, find out more information. And um, yeah, obviously then a whole lot happened from then. Yeah. So (laughs) do you you still have, do you still, I don't know if it's the right way of asking, but do you still have, do you still talk to that child or is, is there a, is there a barrier or? No. So it was, I mean, what you have to do before you even go ahead with the IVF is you have to come up with an agreement between you. So that's kind of facilitated through Surrogacy UK okay. where you 
you all chat about kind of the things that you want and what you, how you'd like it to be because every um, kind of situation is going to be different. Some surrogates would rather just take a step back and not be involved. For us, it was quite a big thing that we did want to be involved afterwards. So we kind of want to be like an auntie and uncle. Um, you know, John's thing was that that kind of they've asked us to look after their baby, you know, while I'm pregnant. And so likewise, we want to carry on being part of that child's life and kind of, yeah, um, checking in the, that they're um, still kind of, yeah, happy and, and looked yeah. after that kind of two two way thing. Um, and for us, it yeah, it's worked really well. Obviously, at the moment, it's rubbish. I mean, it's rubbish seeing family and yeah. well, but it's yeah, we can't we can't see them properly. And obviously, she's too young to understand social distancing. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> let's just chat on on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Because like with with the situation it is now, like I'm I'm in the north, and my family are are down in south. So it is especially with the distance it is hard and I can't imagine what it must be like when you have got someone they're just down the road did you say yeah half an hour away yeah so it must it must be difficult like not being able to see them as and when you can yeah. it's really hard and it yeah it kind of it makes gives you that pang in your heart a bit because it is that you know I want to be there while she's growing up I want her to know who I am and so it's just like yeah she's not aware of me right now um that was another thing that we'd kind of agreed on was that um they're going to make a book so we've obviously taken loads of photos throughout our journey videos and all of that yeah. um so they're going to have a book so that when she's at, at an age where she'll understand they will then kind of talk her through you know where she came from and how she was helped to come into the world <laughs> that's incredible like that's just that's still like because when i when i found out about um that and you i was just blown away because that takes I think it takes a certain type of person to to do something like that yeah that's that's yeah, yeah. I think a big risk I think I don't think I'd quite realized how much of a risk it was until afterwards um but you know it is yeah for for you as a person and your family it's yeah it's a huge thing to take on but I think I just didn't didn't think of it like that you know it goes beyond you yeah yeah it's you're creating this life and yes yeah, a pretty amazing thing yeah, that's hugely, hugely inspiring. So moving on to your like PhD. So what's what's that on? What what you uh, what are you doing in that? Yeah, so that's so I'm in sociology at the University of Exeter, um, and it followed on from my masters. So I was at Sheffield doing a masters in music psychology. Okay. And that's then where I took my dissertation from Bath Spa. I looked more at music and dementia, and so now my PhD is looking at the effects of live music on agitation in patients with dementia so it's wow. all kind of flowed through all links in with my social enterprise yeah which is good but I'm what I'll be seven years in September since I started <laughs> that is incredible so are you nearing the end is it how yeah. long you are I'm very close so I finally got like the, the uh, first draft of my whole thesis done and then he's like in his loads of work and re-editing and cutting stuff out but it just feels good to see it all together yeah so would you would you go into lecturing at all or is that something you you wouldn't do I think I so I've been kind of torn over the last few years about what I want to do I think what I'd like to carry on with is guest lecturing so I okay. often visit different lectures sort of in the UK um I'd like to go around the world as well eventually um but yeah guest lecturing on music sociology and music in dementia care okay um, that's I think because I think that will I get quite bored easily I get itchy feet and I've got I, that I could tell <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my next challenge would be <laughs> maybe you should like climb a mountain or something <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> sorry because he's not enough <laughs> yeah. 
so what what is so if you're getting into the nitty-gritty what is so if you had to explain to someone that doesn't know anything about it i.e me <laughs> what is music sociology so what yes, what is it so it's looking at how we kind of how we interact with music so how it can um support cultures and how um how people kind of how people use music in everyday life so i think that's kind of a, a main thing and then for me looking at dementia it's looking at um that kind of relationship side of music and actually rather than just saying you know music helps people or there's some statistics to say it improves your well-being by so much percent actually it's digging down and being like well but how does it do that okay and what what actually happens in terms of the way people interact with music and the way that they use music as well in different situations okay so what sort of situations is it is it could it be like remedial or could it be like helping someone calm down or because i use so i personally use music to like fall asleep mm. so i have like calming music just to help me relax and then help me fall asleep is that something you would you would look at yeah definitely so with my phd it's more looking at like agitation and how agitation kind of in my um, opinion stems from like unmet like emotional needs and like unmet social needs so especially in a hospital environment people are quite disorientated about where they are and they don't um kind of understand the, the, the you know the fact that the carers are, are busy and they can't just stop and be with you 24 7 okay and that's where the kind of agitation stems from so then i'm looking at how familiar music can help to ground that person and remind them of kind of you know their, their previous history and memories and just helping to kind of calm down that agitation so that's the kind of the specific side of my phd but in okay. general with music sociology like yes it can like definitely different types of music can help with sleep um you know it's really subjective so to be honest i can't, I can't stand it when there's there's often like a blanket thing of this type of music will help you do xyz so yeah. you know gale music or ocean sounds that's going to help you go to sleep actually i don't know about you but i find i can't sleep with that kind of music okay and likewise with working and like productivity that it's going to kind of yeah what helps you individually to work and that type of music and I think that's something I want to start looking at is this more broader aspect of music sociology so how we all use music in in different situations uh yeah I guess like thinking about it now I never sort of looked at it through that lens because what works for me might not work for you or might no. not work for someone else so different types of music and different sort of melodies could work differently for someone else yeah, exactly. And I find like I often I can't work with music with lyrics in the background because I'll, okay. start, I'll start listening along Concert, to it. Yeah, okay. But I love working in coffee shops. So at the moment, I've been Spotify's got loads of great like coffee shop playlists. Oh wow, really? <laughs> like cafe, like French cafe jazz and stuff like that. Wow. It's really good. I find it it does kind of create that environment a little bit. Um, and it's the same with you know productivity is that um, I think sort of some companies are starting to pipe music into the offices. Okay. But actually that, you know, for some people, that would be great. But actually it can be a bit, it can go the other way. If you're then using music that, you know, not everybody's going to work with music on in the background. Some people prefer silence or, yeah. or they're just not going to work to the same music. So it's, yeah, it's really fascinating working out what works for you and kind of, yeah, don't just take research as like gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might just be that certain type of classical music worked for those participants that you know a very select proportion of society yeah yeah because I when I'm like sort of editing or when I'm working I sort of like have these headphones on and I just I just go into my own world 
and I don't like I can't people be talking to me I wouldn't wouldn't have a clue <laughs> what they're saying um, so yes yeah, so I totally yeah because at the beginning of this conversation I wouldn't have thought of it like that but now mm. you've said it, it it does make sense yeah and often I think like because this is something I want to go more into is kind of spreading the word about that around like on social media and kind of taking the research and just putting it out there so that we can all access it you know, it's not just academic yeah um, but when I started doing it I was like oh god is this just going to seem really obvious you know everyone knows this and it's like actually we don't or we don't often think about it you know you just listen to what you listen to and yeah. you don't think about why or like in the car you know you listen to probably listen to different music when I'm on the motorway when I'm going faster than if I'm kind of pottering around the country lanes where I live yeah just do it out of habit <laughs> yeah because I go through again I don't know if it's, if this is normal or not but I go through like stages of music that I like so I'll go through like you listen to like pop then I'll go to like hip-hop and then I'll go to rock and then I'll go to whatever and it, I just go through stages and it's and that's what I'll listen to. So a few weeks ago, well, actually before lockdown, I was in the gym and I was listening to Hanson on Bop. <laughs> and then it went to Britney Spears and it just, and I'm sitting there going, is this normal? <laughs> normal for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess, I guess. So how do you, like, obviously you're a, you're a, you're a busy person and you've got lots going on. So how do you manage your time? I can see you've got like a 2020 year planner uh, just behind you. <laughs> every time I have a meeting at the moment that just makes me laugh I need to take it down <laughs> I think it stopped in March oh, did it? how do you how do you like manage your time how do you know you're supposed to be at x and you, then you're supposed to be at y and then after that you're supposed to be at z so how do you what do you have like a specific technique to use or uh it's kind of yeah hit or miss I'm a really organized person so that's why I love doing my PhD because it it is that kind of yeah organization I'm obviously like quite focused mm. um but I try and kind of block my time like chunk my time so um in terms of when I'm booking meetings and stuff I'm a bit rubbish at I don't often look at the full week I don't know if you find this that I'll like <laughs> I'll book stuff in without looking at what I, what's happening on the days around it and then I get okay. to that week and I'm like oh this is crazy <laughs> so I need to get a bit better at that but during the day I try and chunk my time up so I'll be like the day before I kind of write down right I'm going to spend like an hour or two on PR or on research or whatever it is marketing um and then within that I work in something called Pomodoro have you ever heard of this the Pomodoro I haven't no what's that it's brilliant so you work so it's based on the Pomodoro timer like the tomato timer that you get in okay the kitchen. yeah yeah <laughs> And you, you set it for 25 minutes and you work solidly on whatever that thing is for 25 minutes, turn your phone off, <laughs> you get in the that's, light bulb that's, that's what I do. I didn't know that's what it's called. And then, and then you have five minutes of rest or five minutes yeah. of doing what... That's, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, Pomodori. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? Rosie, I thought I invented that. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's your bubble there. <laughs> so is that what it's called? Yeah, so it's called the Pomodoro. So you do, yeah, like ah. 20 minutes, then you have a five minute break, then you do another 25 minutes. And then is it every 50 minutes you're going to take 10 minutes off or something? And I'll then go and have a dance. Like I'll literally just, yeah, let everything go. It's great. But I've got a really good app for it. Okay. So it's called Forest. Have you heard of it? No, no, no. What's that? It's really good. So basically you set your timer for 25 minutes and it grows a little tree. <laughs> But if you go on anything else on your phone, like if you go on Facebook, then it will tell you that your tree is about to die. 
Oh, no, okay. I want to do this. And then you're like, oh, no, actually, I don't want to mindlessly scroll through Facebook now. I'm going to get back on with my task. It's really good. And then you get a forest. So Uh, it's years now. And yeah, you get quite a cool forest that grows. (laughs) That's amazing. Because the technique I do is like, so I've set up like a little office downstairs and I put my phone upstairs because that is my biggest distraction. Like out of everything, that's my biggest distraction. So what I do is I sit down put a timer on my computer for 25 minutes and then when that 25 minutes up I go upstairs go on my phone do what I want to need to do for five minutes and then go back downstairs but I, I didn't know they had a name for it yeah Pomodoro, Pomodoro. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always, like whenever I guest lecture and stuff so I often go back to Bath Spa to talk to the students and I'm always talking about Pomodoro technique because you know it's only 25 minutes like you yeah. can do that and the amount of stuff you can get done it's yes crazy. it's yeah it's incredible like cause tw- let's let's be honest 25 minutes is not that long no. but you can get so much done yeah so often I'll do like two pomodoros a morning on my PhD so obviously at the moment I'm doing a lot more than that but even just doing 50 minutes a day every day even weekends I find I get so much done and then because I'm visiting it every week every day I'm like I'm focused on it whereas yeah. if I tried to do just like a whole day a week which is what I used to do I'd switch off and I get really tired around about kind of two three o'clock yeah and there's no point pushing on with it definitely yeah so moving moving on like we were, we've been speaking for the last few weeks about getting this uh, sort of podcast sorted and you mentioned someone called Dr Rock yeah <laughs> so who who is Dr Rock for those uh, listening and watching who don't know uh, who she is yeah, so Dr. Rock is this really inspirational woman that I've just come across called Julia Jones. Okay. Um, based in London, I think. And yeah, like I've just finished reading her book called The Music Diet. So I'd really recommend it to everyone. I think it's free online or you can buy it as a book. And I, I don't know about you, but I can't read on the computer. Mm. Even on the Kindle sometimes I don't take it in. So I, yeah, I got the book and I um, sat out in the sun a few weeks ago and it was really nice and just, yeah, read it cover to cover. Okay. Good stuff. So what what is it, what was the book about then? So what is what does she do? Yeah, so she kind of takes all of this this research around music psychology, music sociology, and um, kind of just just collates it in in ways that we can understand and right. ways we can relate to. So she talks about music in terms of like sports performance. So that's what I was chatting with you about. That yeah. it's something I kind of I haven't thought about before. And often you think, oh yeah, you just put on music that you know is kind of uplifting or um, motivational. But like she goes deeper into that, and it's like the certain beats per minute that you need for different types of exercise. Wow. Um, okay. What it actually kind of yeah does to you. So in terms of if you like you were saying about getting lost in the music while you're working out, if you're listening to um to sort of certain types of music, you know um with this certain beat you then can work kind of harder and faster without you even realizing yeah because you do get kind of lost in that and again it's like we're saying you know you think oh god that's so obvious <laughs> but actually I never think about that and yeah. so I tried it and I listened to some like Dave Pierce trance anthems and I was like yeah actually I did go a lot harder than I would normally yeah <laughs> but I don't feel that tired I feel more pumped up um, and she talks about the thing that I was really interested in was obviously at the moment I'm completely focused on music and dementia and that side of things. But she talks about looking at the risk factors for neurodegenerative conditions. And one of the biggest risks is workplace stress. So that's something that I wanted to kind of delve a bit more into after reading her book. 
So she's saying about, you know, how we can be helping employees in the workplace to reduce their, their workplace stress, have kind of an increased social bond with the people they work with. And you can do that all through music and kind of coming together. Um, and something that she, sorry, I feel I'm going off. But I'm really no, 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 no. I'm, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm just listening to you. Two. I'm li in my head, I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's, that is right. That is true. Yeah, but no, no, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. And uh, so the other thing that she talks about is that a lot of my research with dementia is around using familiar music. So using music that people know and they've got memories associated with. But she says that on the other end of the spectrum to um, kind of reduce risks of dementia and, and those kind of conditions, listen to music that's unfamiliar to you because your brain then takes it takes a while to process that music. It's trying to work out what it is, whether you like it. And it's also creating memories associated with that piece. So okay. if you listen to a piece of music today, your brain is then starting to think, okay, right, maybe you're sat in your office, it's during lockdown, and then at some point in the future, you might hear that piece of music, and it will take you back to today. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the same as like, so when I was in sixth form, the last song, last, last, last song uh, that was played before we all went to university and then did our different things was Oasis Wonderwall. <laughs> so Rosie every single time I hear that song that just takes me back to that dance floor and takes me back to that memory oh brilliant um, and then that, that will stay with you yeah you know into later life you will remember that yeah that memory massively yeah and do you like just as a like a personal question so I'm starting to get into like sort of meditation at the moment so mm. do you think there's a link between meditation and music yeah, there definitely is. So I've, yeah, likewise, I've been getting into meditation a bit more. I've been doing like the yoga with Adrienne. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, music can definitely, it kind of, it depends on the type of music, but it's that kind of, yeah, music that you want to kind of zone out to. So it'd be something that wouldn't be, um trying to think what Dr. Dr. Rock, I'm like really inspired by her at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think what she talks about is that you want kind of music. I think when she says about going to sleep, you want music that, um, kind of it carries on it's quite repetitive there's no sudden changes in the music there's no expectations so you know like film music often they'll create like an anticipation and that you, like a yeah, crescendo yeah but exactly yeah you don't want that while you're while you're meditating you want kind of yeah easy to listen to instruments that kind of fade into the background a bit um things that especially for like mindfulness yeah you think you can then kind of focus inwards a bit more ah okay cool so just before just before we end i've got three questions that i wanted to ask you about the past present and future so the first one's at the, about the past so what advice would you give a 15 year old rosie mead so what would you what would you say to her okay so a 15 year old rosie mead was i think trying to work out who she was and and especially with music it was that I was like, oh, I identify as a grunge. So I'm in this kind of grunge group and this is what we do. And I mustn't say that I also like hip hop because, you know, that's not quite, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, like, yeah, I want to just say to her, like, be yourself, like embrace who you are and your individuality. Don't feel that you've got to fit into this neat little box because, you know, no one does. Yeah. And don't, don't kind of label yourself. <laughs> I think there's a, I, I think there's a lot of people um, that I've inter interviewed and spoke to and as a few people have said that's what I that, that's what I say to my 15 year old self I would say just be yourself don't don't do x y or z because your friends are doing it do it because you want to do it yeah 
So I think that's a, that's a huge advice. And I've got, um, so the youngest of my younger sisters is 15 mm. at the moment. And that's, that's what, that's what I'm trying to tell her. Like, don't, don't do something because like your friends or, or friend or family, even me at, to some extent, like don't say, don't do something because they do something because you want to and mm. because it, it feels right. Yeah, I think that's so true. And just to have the confidence, you know, go yeah, with, your, yeah. with your instinct and yeah, but it's, you know, hindsight's a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Yeah, because like I, I, I didn't listen to anyone when I was 15. So I feel like sort of hypocritical saying to her like this, this, you should be yourself. But, you know, it's, it's all a learning curve. Yeah, the reason we're all saying this is because we've been there. But, yeah, yeah. When you're a fifteen-year-old. You, oh, you can't relate to yeah your big brother like. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the question about present. So given the choice of any three people in the world, so dead or alive, who would you have as a dinner guest and why? So you're allowed to have anyone. So it's Rosie Mead and then three yeah. other people. Who would you have? Who would you yeah. go for? Gonna make sure they all get on as well. <laughs> <laughs> so i reckon michelle obama so i just finished reading becoming i want to watch Netflix as well yeah like she's really incredible like yeah. Oh, yeah i'd love to just just sit with her i think just being in her presence yeah she's i must say she's a very 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 especially to the people i speak to at the moment she's a very very popular person to have as a dinner guest i think you're the fourth or fifth person to say her Aww, I but, I, <laughs> but i understand i completely yeah. understand why like i've so i i'm the opposite to you so i haven't read her book but i have seen the netflix um sort of series oh, okay. that she's done and it is like incredible like she goes on this book tour and she talks to different communities and different people and it is just inspiring so mm-hmm. i i yeah so i give you a massive tick to michelle obama i, I agree <laughs> uh who would my other person be yeah so who uh, who else would you have so you got you oh, michelle no. sorry oh sorry <laughs> interrupting you you go <laughs> oh, no i was just saying so you got uh you got you and you got michelle obama who else who else would you have Cool. So I think I've got to have someone music related. Okay. It's a really hard one. There's so many. I think David Bowie. Oh, really, great show. He's an icon. And like the world's a, yeah, a worse place for him not being here anymore. Yeah. And I often listen to his music. We've got, um, John's mum gave us a big box of vinyls and she's got some of his old stuff. We've got like a Ziggy Stardust album and it's just and i love playing it on vinyl because it's like oh that's how it was meant to be yeah isn't the, the isn't the the sound quality better on vinyl or have i just made that up uh I, yeah i'm not sure so you get the crackles and i yeah. must admit we've got quite an old record player so i don't know okay. if that's better or worse because it does crackle quite a bit yeah <laughs> but I, I just love it and i love having like that sleeve like and looking through it and being like this is how it was published it's all like released it's yeah it's fine having stuff on spotify and it's amazing the amount of stuff we can access yeah but listening to things that like as they were intended yeah, so def- yeah david bowie would be a pretty amazing guest yeah i'm pretty like i'm the same as you like like you were speaking earlier about having like a physical copy of a book not a kindle or something and i like i like the satisfaction of turning a page yeah and when you get to the end of it as well yeah. it's like you can feel that you've got to the end rather than it just saying like 100 percent. it's like yeah. oh, not the same <laughs> yeah definitely yeah so we've got uh rosie mead we've got michelle obama we've got david bowie you've got one more space at the dinner table who would you who would you go for oh 
who would I go for? So my other big passion is rugby. And when I was at uni, I used to referee men's games. Yes, you did, yeah. So I feel like I've got to have someone from the rugby world. And at the moment, I love James Haskell. Well, I've always loved James Haskell. Like, he's such a lad. <laughs> I love watching his YouTube stuff. And he's doing a lot at the moment. Like, he's doing, like, lockdown diaries with, like, him and Chloe. And I reckon he'd be, yeah, he'd be pretty fun at the dinner table, too. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's, that sounds like a good uh, good party. So you've got you, you've got Michelle Obama, you've got David Bowie and James Haskell. Yeah, I reckon a good mix. I think we'd all get on as well. It'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then uh, just to end things, a quick question uh, on the future. So where do you see yourself in 10 years time? So what will Rosie Mead be doing in 2030? So 2030, I will be coming up to 42 the kids will be teenagers, which is crazy to think about. We have a 15 and a 13 year old. That'd be fun. <laughs> so I think, I think if you'd asked me this before lockdown, I'd have told you like a rigorous plan for the business and where it was going to be and the amount of money we'd, we'd make and, and reinvest. But actually, I think lockdown's taught me, you know, plans like that can easily just go out the window if there's a sudden change in circumstance. Yeah. I'm trying to get into the flow a bit more. So I think I'm going to go a bit beyond the business and it would be more about you know being a role model for my girls. They're going to be at that time, like we've just been talking about, about kind of their identity and that, you know, the whole secondary school world. And so I think I want to be a, a good role model for them, making sure that, you know, they know that you can follow your dream, you know, go with your instinct, do what makes you feel happy. And so, yeah, I think as long as we're kind of, we're all, all happy, healthy, well, that's yeah i feel like a, a good job's done in 10 years time <laughs> that's amazing i can't think of a perfect way to end thank you rosie <laughs> yeah. great thanks so much Val. thank you if you have made it this far thank you very much for listening to the uh, beans media diary if you have enjoyed listening please subscribe or follow i promise i'll be super grateful and if you're feeling kind please leave a review a massive thank you to everyone at beans media for their help make sure you keep an eye on their socials for details of the next episode bye-bye